Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, I, I had in plans to talk about some other things. I was actually a little bit short on notes this week. Not that there's short on things that are happening, but I didn't want to be so redundant all the time because the same things keep happening over and over again. Uh, and people are expecting a different result. And actually, if you studied history, you would know that... This is, this is a constant thing throughout the history of mankind, and which is why we're told to study history so that we don't repeat the same mistakes. And I actually saw a congressman today saying that we need to take all the history books out of school. I didn't even know they still had them because I know they really stopped teaching history back 20, 30 years ago. Now they probably put them back in, but nobody knows that it's not real history. <laughs> so, so anyway, that they want to take those out and put in worse ones. And I've, I've read just about every history book used in public education uh, all the way back to the turn of the century. Turn of, you know, from 1800s to the 1900s turn of the century, not the, to the 20th century and the 21st century. And the, and the truth is, is that uh, they've distorted the, what's been going on in history. But of course, they've distorted what went on in the Bible. And, uh, but I've changed gears as to what I'm going to talk about because of the fact that I just read Dave Dubemeyer's article at News with Views. And we'll go over that in detail. And I'll hope to even send this on to Dave so that he can hear it. I have a great deal of respect for him, but the stuff he was saying in the article shows that there is a strong delusion about what the church is and what the church is not and what the church is supposed to be. In spirit, I agree with a lot of the things that he says, but he's just missing certain knowledge, and I'm going to try to share some of that today when we get to that. But I'm going to lay some groundwork because we're going to get into some really deep stuff. And uh, what's happened is, is the same thing happened in uh, Isaiah. And we see in 2010, he says, For precepts must be upon precepts, Precept upon precept, line upon line, upon a line, here a little and there a little. But this here a little and there a little, he says also in verse 13, uh, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. So the same principle of changing things and following the precepts carefully uh, when we don't follow those precepts carefully, the reverse takes place. So, this is what we're going to show you today is how we separated from those precepts of God, uh, which were the precepts that Moses tried to tell us and the precepts that Christ tried to tell us. To love your neighbor as yourself, that's part of that precept. That's a descriptive way in which to go, and that's what Christianity was called the way. And while in in Dave's article he talks about 1947 and Supreme Court decisions and stuff, we're going to put all that in context. But the church was in a lot of trouble long before 1947. 
<laughs> because they had begun to change those precepts upon precepts to something that just ain't so. So anyway, we're going to go over all that eventually, but I, I do want to talk about a few other things that uh, ha- have come up. And uh, and we're going to be looking at this whole idea if uh, in John fifteen nineteen where he says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth. You Well, those of you who listen pretty regularly know that there are several different words that are translated into world in the New Testament. And they mean things quite different. And if you don't know which word is where, you may be confused or people may be able to lead you in the wrong direction of what the authors were trying to communicate. Because that's in John 15, you can read in John 17 and verses 14 and 15 and 16, you'll see the word showing up again. And that's a very specific world. And he talks in verse 17 about sanctifying them through thy truth, thy word is truth. That, and on into verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, that same word again, even so have I also sent them into the world. He wanted us to go into the world, but he did not want us to be of the world. So what is this world? And we can get into that eventually, and that we will when we get into uh, Dave's article. But uh, all these things are connected. Uh, in the Bible. Everything has to fit. All the pieces have to fit and make sense. You know, if you get down to verse 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The righteous, well, are, is any man righteous? You know, we're supposed to be saved because we believe in Jesus, but he's saying the righteous shall Go into life eternal. He talks in the verses prior to that. We'll get to that too. That he's talking about people departing from them because they they're workers of iniquity and uh, that they're they're not doing the will of the Father. It's not those who say, but those who doeth the will of the Father. So it's very important that we understand what the will of the Father is, and it's very easy to show you that many modern Christians are doing absolutely diametrically opposed day-to-day actions as a matter of policy that are opposed to what Christ said to do. And so, uh, and people will they'll say they're Christians. You know, we've eaten and, and drank with you in your presence and have taught in our streets. And But he's going to say, get ye from me, depart from me, workers of iniquity. That that phrase, workers of iniquity, shows up quite a bit in the Bible. And uh, so who are the workers of iniquity? Well, we're going to get into all that. But modern Christian thinking has fallen into a rut of d- delusion. And that rut has gotten thicker and thicker or deeper and deeper. And uh, they can't seem to get out of it. 
And we're, we talked before, you know, about guys like Dr. Anthony Fauci and some of the things going on with the coronavirus, and we got into that. I don't want to hash all that over. What I've, I've done is I've, I've put up on His Holy Church a, a page last night that has most all of our recordings over the last number of years. I mean, there's like 500-plus recordings there, Uh Quite a bit, probably over 600 recordings there, and that they're, they're all listed uh, with titles and uh, and keywords and descriptions and everything. It's all on one page. Actually, we have it in a PDF format, and you can find that at HisHolyChurch.org. We've we've uh, done some work. We're going to be uh, pushing people to sign up with our newsletter. Of course, we have always been pushing that people sign up with the Living Network which is based on geography, so that you can start to get connected with other people who are starting to become awakened. Because there's a lot of people who are woke that aren't awakened. <laughs> they're, they're diametrically opposed to what we're talking about. I always thought it was interesting that uh, when Jesus is talking about the king rising up and the door being locked and and saying to those on the left, <laughs> get ye from me. And uh, so that seems to be what's going on in the world today. Everybody on the left seems to be opposed to Christ. But there's a lot of people over there that are on the right that are really not for Christ. And many of them think they are. But they're actually, and Christ talks about this. Many are deceived into thinking they're following Christ when they're actually amongst those workers of iniquity. So we need to see what what's going on and why it's going on. And Dr. Fauci, for instance, came out just, just a day ago and says the chances of a coronavirus vaccine being highly effective is not great. And he goes on and he throws out some numbers, 74% effective uh uh, would be nice, but it might be only 59%. But then I, I saw other articles that talk about 92% effective. And that's not what he said, but uh, they will settle for 70. But now this 74.4% uh, may not be effective. In the same way with this uh, remdesivir, uh, that it's only maybe 59% effective. Well, effective how much? Does it mean like 59% are cured immediately or or 59% show some improvement? And the reality is is that uh, this is all a smokescreen. The deaths aren't there. Uh, the real deaths, not the way we used to count flu deaths. They, they don't exist. The 150,000 number is false. We know it's false. They said we're not gonna, we're gonna be collecting the data this other way. And they tell you. They actually told you they are not collecting data like they normally do. If you have the virus or test positive, or they even suspect, some even said if they suspect you might be positive, because you have some symptoms, which are common symptoms, they're going to count you as a COVID death. Well, that's how you get to 150,000 people. The numbers aren't there. There's not that many people. Old lady that we are taking care of, uh, 
you know, and check on on a regular basis, a widow lady in her 90s. And uh, she hasn't gone out at all. She's afraid to go out. She's listening to a, I should say, a local news station. There is no local news station, but she gets a news station that's not too far away, 120 miles away. And uh, they're talking about children just suddenly dying, showing no symptoms. Let, show me these cases. Let me let me read their chart. <laughs> I don't believe them. I I that that's not what we're coming out of the countries that did not shut down like Sweden and and Taiwan. Taiwan, twenty three million people, seven deaths. What 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 happened there? Well, Cuomo wasn't governor in Taiwan. Didn't send sick people to convalescent homes and kill thousands of people that way. Uh, even though convalescent homes know you can't send them here. That will make our old people put them in jeopardy. He made a law that you had to do it. Several other governors did it. All Democratic governors. All on the left. So what's really going on? Well, that's another whole story. The deception is pervasive. And uh, and they're setting you up. This whole, you know, like Remdesivir. It costs $3,100 to give that drug to one patient. Uh, some estimates are higher. Some estimates are lower. That's just for the drug. That's not t- counting the medical treatment or anything. That's an expensive. They did not have that in Taiwan where they only had seven deaths. What were they doing? I mean, one of the reasons so many people survived in Taiwan is they didn't have ventilators. They didn't go to ventilators, the expensive. They found a cheap remedy. Not hydrochloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, although that can help, but it's the zinc that is the key. They found other ways of treating, and some doctors in America have found out what that is, and they're doing that, the same thing they were using in Japan, or pretty much the same thing, slight variation, but the same principle of slowing down, because you're dying from the symptoms of fighting COVID. COVID isn't killing you. The virus isn't killing you. Your body replicated the virus, didn't know it shouldn't be replicating the virus, Your body starts fighting the cells in your body that are replicating the virus. And that's what's making you sick. This is just a war inside yourself. It wouldn't even take... Many people don't even get sick when they get exposed to the virus because their T1 cells have memory. And there's been other coronaviruses around and they just don't even get sick. Some get a little bit sick, but quickly get better without showing hardly any symptoms. The people who get really sick and show lots of symptoms, it isn't because they had too many holes in their mask. It's because their body began to replicate the virus and degenerate and and fall apart uh, because of the fact their own cells said, you're creating a toxic effect by creating this virus. In me, and I'm shutting you down. And you get this uh, cytokine storm that then leads to other secondary in, uh, infections. And if you already have two or three morbidities, you're go- you're likely to maybe succumb to it altogether. Although there's been hundred year old people who survived this. Th- this happens every year during the flu season. Happens every year on a regular basis. 
this is this is crazy. And the shutdowns. I talked to somebody in Australia uh, just uh, last night. The shutdowns in Victoria, are, uh, insane. I mean, five thousand dollar fine if you get caught after a certain curfew outside. Twenty thousand for the second offense. People are locked up in their homes. What is going on? Well, we've talked about that amongst those 500 shows that we've already done. What we're going to go on here to talk about is what 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 are the masks are doing. We're only going to touch on this because we want to get to Dave's article. The masks are mini trauma, micro traumas. They get you to do something stupid, ritualistically stupid. That you don't really want to do, but you give in on that little thing. We talked about this before in previous shows. And then that gets you psyched up so the next thing is easier to do. Like in that movie, Push. They get you to do little things, and next thing you know, they're asking you to murder somebody, and people do it. They set you up. They show you how this works. You think, oh, that won't happen. Well, one of the big culprits in making you susceptible to this is the modern church. That's right, the modern church. And we talked about it. I had a few ministers on a call, and we were talking about it. And I says it's the hinge and chicks congregationalism, where the pastor is the hen. He clucks, and all the chicks gather around him. And uh, if he's a good motivational speaker, you know, and all this kind of stuff, he can get lots of people around, thousands of people around him. They all think they believe in Jesus. They're not doing what Jesus said. Uh, but they think he's anointed. He, they think he, which means a Christ, anointed, you know, by Christ, by Jesus, because Christ is not his name. That means anointed. That's what the word means. And they gather around him by the thousands. They get this emotional feeling and he's a great motivational speaker and he can stimulate that emotion and everybody thinks they're saved. But they're still workers of iniquity. And we're going to show you that they're workers of iniquity. And, and it's because they lack knowledge, I, I hope. Maybe it's because they actually hate Christ, the real Christ, not the imaginary Christ that they have in their mind. The Pharisees all thought they loved Moses. Moses and Christ were in agreement, but the Pharisees, many of the Pharisees, wanted to kill Christ. I think that many Christians today, if they actually understood what Christ was saying, they'd want to kill him. And those people who want to be real ministers of Christ, they will war against them too. I've seen that this week as well. They they will war and many of you who think you're a Christian, it's not real bad guys. You're you're pretty close to the kingdom. You will have the opportunity to make a choice. Shall I I stand up for what's righteous? Shall I clothe the naked? Shall I feed the hungry? This isn't for everybody, this is for his brethren, he says. Because you clothed me when I was naked, and you fed me when I was hungry, you visited me when I was in jail. What he's talking about is his brethren, not the general population, not just everybody who's poor, but his brethren, those ones he called out to be the ministers of a kingdom. I appoint unto you a kingdom. I'm just touching on some of these things, but Jesus said that. He said you're not to be like the kingdoms of the Gentiles. 
the governments of the Gentiles, the princes of the Gentiles. He said this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You're not to be like them who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Which is what a socialist state does. It exercises authority. It forces the contributions of the people and provides everybody with the benefits of socialism. And we're going to tie all this together as we go through this. Another thing that happened early this morning, somewhere around 3 o'clock or 3.30, <laughs> I saw a post from somebody I know, Mr. M., which is a great guy. I've known him since he was a little kid. Very courageous, hardworking, industrious, thoughtful, considerate, uh, trying to figure things out, but he keeps missing certain things. And he put a post up on Facebook, and he talks about a new disease is uh, starting to emerge in Oregon. It is being dubbed the Battered Oregonian Syndrome. <laughs> I think he dubbed it that. But uh, this disease, he says, is brought on by overbearing, oppressive, and tyrannical governments. Symptoms may include, but not limited to, wearing a mask in your car, by yourself, wearing a mask outside, wearing a mask at home, yelling at strangers for not wearing a mask, and actually wearing a mask. <laughs> so anyway, so you get the picture. He's He's talking about it. He says, if you have... Or are starting to have these symptoms, you are feeling a bit sheepish, which I think is a chop on sheep, because he's a cow man. You may have it or have been exposed. He says the only cure is freedom and rebellion. And he says seek your local patriot friends. I, there was a lot of responses. I made one response. And they all stopped. And nobody said anything since. I checked just a few minutes before the program. (laughs) This is good. But here's my response. It only takes righteousness. So I don't say it takes freedom and rebellion. It takes righteousness. The problem is we are rebelling against what is righteous already. The people... Holding office in Oregon have sworn to uphold the Constitution of Oregon, including Article 2, Section 22. Those of you who've listened to the show know what I'm talking about on a regular basis. To allow, we have an article at preparing you on it, to allow your leaders to dishonor their oaths. They're all sworn to uphold the Constitution. And there's this Article 2, Section 22 in the Constitution that is still in the Constitution, never been ruled unconstitutional. And they disregard their oath with impunity. Seventy to eighty percent of the office holders in the state of Oregon that are elected to office are in violation of that Article 2, Section 22. What's the penalties? They forfeit their office. And they're considered a felon. And they cannot run for that office again for two terms. So it's a four-year term. They can't run again for that office for for eight years. That's that's in the Constitution. The governor is in violation by millions and millions of dollars. And nobody's doing anything about it because all the other congressmen and senators, many of the others, are also in violation. And the people don't do anything because they're more like sheep than they realize. We're going to... We're going to talk more about this when we come back and we'll get into Dave. So be right back. 
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So I'm going to hit a couple of high topics here, the, and I'm going to go through them really quick. But uh, to understand what I'm talking about is, uh, so it may take more study than just a couple hours show. But we can back up everything I say. If you you hear me say something and you say, well, that's not true. I never heard that. Because you never heard it doesn't make it not true. Because you don't understand the details of what I'm saying doesn't make it not true. We can back this up. So if you have questions, join the network, ask the question. Uh, we have people that are, are training, know where the answers are, and we're putting them up all the time, and... We're going to be emphasizing and, and expanding the HisHolyChurch.org website, which is already huge, so that you can search every question and find the answer there. But the ultimate answer is you have to actually do what Christ said. You have to do the will of the Father. And people aren't doing the will of the Father. It is not God's plan that you rebel. It's that your, God's plan is that you seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. That, all else will, will come into place if you do that. You can't be bearing false witness or supporting people who bear false witness and, and still be righteous. That's not righteous. You cannot covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other, even though they call themselves benefactors, and be righteous at the same time. That just doesn't happen. That is it. That does not compute. That two and two is four, and you cannot change that. Now here's a few mathematicians. And other base numbers you could. <laughs> no. 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 Facts matter. <laughs> and right now, what we see going on in the world today, I said to somebody the other day, backlash matters. And backlash is what we're getting. People are seeing all this stuff, and so they get angry at all the stuff that they see going on. And they there's this backlash. I mean, you got people coming out of the Democratic Party, going to all vote Republican, and... Uh, uh, because they're so fed up with the Democrats and we think, well, that's good. Well, no, it's just backlash. They're just reacting. Now, I'm, I, I can't talk about individuals. I'm talking about generalities. But forcing you to wear this ma face mask, if you get angry because they're telling you you have to wear the face mask, you're you're creating that rut. You're digging that rut. Because that's what they want to do. They want you to respond to them. They don't care if you fight or flight. They, they don't care which reaction. They just want your reaction to be from them. You're, and see, righteousness is dependent upon your relationship with he who is righteous. I'm not righteous. Your your pastor is probably not righteous. I, I can I can probably almost say guaranteed. I can guarantee he's not righteous, because none is good but God. But Christ, the anointing of Christ, is righteousness. So you're not res when you're responding to that, your response will not be rebellion. It will be righteousness. And so anyway, in that little post that seemed to stop everybody's post, maybe they'll start it up again now that I've said that. I don't know if they're listening, but I'll send them the audio. 
if you will not follow the good shepherd, you will be devoured by wolves. That's from a shepherd who was up at 3 o'clock listening to coyotes howling outside the fence of my sheep. <laughs> so, that, that is just the way it works. And the, and the good shepherd said that you should not covet your neighbor's goods. You should not bear false witness. You should keep the commandments. If you love me, you will keep the commandments. And uh, people are not doing it. And we're going to show you how they're not doing it. Uh, I was on his page because I went back to to put these quotes down so that I'd have them to look at when I was talking to you on the show this morning. And I saw he had another little recording where he was checking on some pigs and a pen. And he says the slow roll to socialism. He makes a reference to the slow roll to socialism and the fact that you know, costs are going to be going up. We're going to be paying more for less services and everything. Inflation's going to hit us. And he sees all that coming. That's true. And he's, again, talking about we need to start to prepare and come together and all that stuff. We need to come together in Christ. And how do you come together in Christ? Now, that doesn't mean come together and everybody say, Jesus loves me. That's not coming together in Christ. Coming together in Christ means... Actually doing what Christ said. Hearing Christ's words. Doing things in the name of Christ. That doesn't mean saying Jesus all the time. That means doing things according to his character. What did Christ come to do? Came to lay down his life for his fellow man. And that's what you need to be doing. And first thing to do in laying down your life is laying down your pride. And your vanity. And be willing to say, well, I'm going to take a look at what this guy's saying. <laughs> I'm not just going to count him out because he seems to be contradicting what I already think is true. Because what I thought was true has led me into bondage of Egypt. It has led me back into this tyranny that everybody seems to be suddenly screaming about. We just had a, a letter that came out from the local school board. It has nothing to do with me. I... I'm a homeschooler, but I, I hear it. I hear the people complaining. Because they're talking about not opening the schools in Oregon, There, a lot of people are doing education online. So they're looking for education online. And there's a lot of charter schools that are offering, you know, they call themselves academy, online academies and everything. They're offering a study program. So a lot of people want to sign up with this one because they hear it's really good or that one. But some of them are outside of the district. And... And what they, they made a rule that if the district offers two of these courses, then only 3% of the people in the district can apply out of the district to other public schools, even though they're charter schools, they're still public schools, to do online training. And so that's put a cap on it so everybody doesn't, so what it put a cap on is, is competition. And so they just offer two different programs that are basically the same and then only 3% of the people can reach outside the county. And so that means that uh, they they will get the funding from the federal government for teaching your kids and that's what it's all about. They don't want to lose the funding. If 50% of the people go outside of the county, then the county school board is going to lose money. They're not going to have as much money. And so they put this 3% cap because... That's what makes things happen, and that's the reason I brought that up is follow the money, and we're going to see how that 
that works. Follow the money. The money changers. What were the money changers doing? They were actually collecting money. That was the month of Adar. That was the income tax day. <laughs> the people had to come in in order to pay your taxes at the temple. You had to do it in the coin of the realm. And so they were, they would sell goods or they would, uh, cause that's what they, if you go through all the, the laws in the Old Testament, they would, they could bring goods and sell them, but then they would have to pay a premium. They could, uh, bring other monies, but then they have to have a money changer to change that money into the coin of the realm to pay their taxes. But of course, originally in Israel, the taxes were all voluntary. They were 10%. But nobody arrested you if you didn't pay it. You just might be excluded. You might be shunned. You might be not helped out when you need help. Because the idea was that it was a gover- it was a free government where people voluntarily paid in their ten percent to the t- to the minister of their choice, and then he tied to the minister of his choice in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and that's how they ran the whole nation. And then when they needed a militia, that militia was already organized. It was organized not out of rebellion, but out of righteousness. Because they were taking care of the needy of their society in pure religion through faith, hope, and charity. Which is what John the Baptist was saying people had to get back to. Because every country, just about every country around the Mediterranean and the Roman Empire had moved to a system where they were forcing the contributions of the people. Herod had set this up with the Pharisees. Other countries had set it up with um, their leaders. And so that you signed up and you had to pay in. And then the the local temples would provide you with free bread, sometimes with education, with uh, medical care. They had universal medical care for a short time. <laughs> they were already bankrupt by the time they instituted it. And then... It was their quackery medical care, maybe you might call it, because it was involved everything from sheep dung to what have you to to treat ailments. But uh, some of their remedies were actually very wise and clever. But uh, I could say the same today. There's some quackery going on there. They want us all to take a vaccine because that's the only hope because Fauci's an immunity denier. They don't need the vaccine in Sweden. My daughter-in-law's leaving for Sweden tomorrow. They don't need to, they don't need to wear masks there. They're, they're pretty much done with the virus. It might come back a little bit next season, but they got through it probably better than, well, I know they got through it better than Cuomo. <laughs> so anyway, but follow the money. Money, money has a huge influence. Greed has a huge influence. Uh, golden calf. What was the golden calf? It was a bank. Those of you who read our articles and everything, all a lot of the city-states had golden statues. Then they put their money in. It was a way of securing the loyalty of the people, and we've explained all that. The red heifer. What was that? That's foreign aid. Had nothing to do with killing a red cow. We explain that. We show you the Hebrew. We take you through step. The altars were always originally living altars. Yeah, they might build an altar out of stone, but that was representative of the living stones that established these altars. When Gideon was establishing altars, what was he doing? Was he piling up rocks and burning up sheep to make God happy? 
why was the altar that was created by Saul so bad? Because he forced an offering and, and doomed his kingdom once he forced that offering. That's what Samuel says. And so today, almost all the Christians depend upon forced offerings for all the benefits of taking care of the widows and orphans, of education, of uh, of health care. All this is by forced offerings, not by faith, hope, and charity. It's by force. Contrary to what John the Baptist said, contrary to what Jesus said, and what Jesus commanded. Yet they still call themselves Christians. And we'll get more into this. Jesus was priest and king. What's religion? What's pure religion? Religion was how you took care of the needy of your society. It was only counted as pure religion if it was unspotted by the world. So now I've just gone full circle back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. What is the, cause that is the same word that you see unspotted by the world. That is, doesn't mean that there was dirt on it from the earth. It's not that kind of world. It was a system, a constant, you look up the word. In the concordance, I'm not making this up, constitutional order or system of government. That's the world that they're talking about. You're supposed to be taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty, not through force, fear, and violence by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Now, Dave should be able to understand that. We should be doing this by charity. Ben Shapiro understood that. He said it. I've heard him say it. I don't, I don't hear him say it enough. <laughs> I've heard him say it. And, and he's a Jew. And he's a pharisaical Jew and he knows that. So, how come the Christians don't seem to know that? The church 200 years ago was taking care of all the social welfare for Christians. Through contributions of the people, through faith, open charity. The government wasn't doing any of these things. The government of the people, the government of God was doing these things. That's what the church is, is the government of God. And now I'm up to the Dave Dubenmeyer article. So we're going to start reading through some of these lines. I was going to go through and just, I copied it over and I was just going to underline a few things that he stated. And I thought it would be good because I read the first few lines and I liked it. And then as I got to it, I'm going, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> of course, there's two ways to spell whoa. I guess you could use either one of them. But uh, so I'm going to have to go through this in detail. And I think we'll have enough time before the end of the broadcast. But he starts off saying that this is not your grandpa's America. Well, my grandpa, long gone. <laughs> he was a horse and buggy doctor when he started because uh, I'm 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 a grandpa and great grandpa now. So anyway, uh, so yeah, I would agree with that. It's not the America. Uh, it, it is something quite different. And he goes on to say the idea of an all caring, benevolent partnership between the church and state no longer exists. Whoa, partnership. Between the church and state. I, I, that was a woe moment. Because we're not supposed to be of the world. And the state is of the world. The state is the world. The state is the constitutional order and system of the government. The church was told to be separate from that to begin with. Now you can, 
you know, talk about a metaphorical partnership where, you know, they're they're trying to help protect the people and we're trying to help to protect the people. But we don't do it with swords. The people protect themselves with swords. And, of course, that's what the militia was all about. You know, and again, now, see, I use the word militia and people are all like, oh, militia. Every male between the ages of 17 and 45 is already a member of the militia. That's that's U.S. code. That's what... The, Actually, the re- you don't have to stop at 45, and you don't have to stop at 17 if you don't use the code. It's just the people. The militia is the people. It's not well regulated, and of course regulated means well organized. It doesn't mean regulated by the federal government. It means well organized. It's not. And of course the militia is what was the army of Israel until they had a king. That was the only army of Israel. And it was well organized, but it got organized through faith, hope, and charity by taking care of the needy of society, creating those bonds of trust so that those bonds of trust were already present. They were already bands of brothers organized together throughout the entire nation through their system of charity. They didn't have to go to boot camp like the band of brothers in, in that uh, miniseries about World War Two. They didn't have to go to boot camp and suffer and D-Day and suffer in order to create those bonds of brotherhood. They already created it by faith, hope, and charity and a system that depended upon the free will contributions. That's what it says in the Old Testament. Free will contributions. Free will offerings. Doesn't say the word charity anywhere, but free will offering, charity, kind of sounds like the same thing. But the Corbin of the Pharisees was no longer free will offerings. It was forced offerings because you signed up under the system set up by Herod. And then you had to pay in. And you had Molokai and Gabai ministers going around counting the Cummins branches on your window plants to see how money they were going to get. Or pacing off your grain fields to find out how much of what you produced they were going to get. They were back in the bondage of Egypt. That's when Christ came on the scene. Most of Judea was back in the bondage of Egypt. There were a few people who hadn't signed up. They they were idiotists. We have an article on that. Go look that up. Find out what that means. It means unregistered. It doesn't mean ignorant. They were unregistered. They were not of the world. They were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And amongst those people, Jesus called his disciples. He didn't go to the pigs. That was back to the quote. <laughs> I see Mr. M taking care of the pigs and talks about socialism. The slow roll of socialism. It's not that slow. <laughs> it's kind of rolled over everybody and they haven't even noticed. Public education is socialism. The Federal Reserve System is socialism. Progressive income tax, that's socialism. Forcing the offerings of your neighbor to get what you want for a benefit, that's socialism. That slow roll has rolled over you and you didn't even know it. That just goes back to what I was saying. The left are clearly socialist or Marxist, whatever you want to call it, just extreme socialist. That's what a Marxist is. But 
half of the people on the Democratic side, I mean on the Republican side, are socialists. And I'm being generous because it's actually probably way more than half. You're into it over your head. You're drowning in socialism in America today. And you're not going to get out of that uh, th- that tidal wave of, of being devoured by socialism until you start seeing the truth and admitting it. So anyway, going back to his article, before we run out of time, uh, we will cover this in the next half of the show. He says, with the appearance of the latest national crisis, it is becoming painfully obvious to anyone with a functioning brain that the church-government relationship is irrevocably broken. It was never supposed to be there. Why were Christians being persecuted in the first century? By the government of Rome. Government of Rome had guaranteed freedom of religion. You could believe in any God you wanted. That was okay. There was a lot of jealousy from the people because the Christians were doing better. Because the systems of Rome were beginning to break down. They were in debt. We're in debt. (laughs) There was a large number of people and uh, over half the people in uh, Rome were dependent upon the government dole, which was, you know, every week they'd be giving out free bread. This was even going on in Israel at the time of Herod, when Herod was still in power. There was a special exemption written up by Augustus Caesar that Jews, if the daily ministration of giving away the bread, the free bread, came on a Jewish holiday like Sabbath where they couldn't come and get it, they could move the day to another day. That was specially written up by Augustus Caesar. Most of the Jews praised Augustus Caesar because Augustus Caesar was a socialist. He knew that free bread and circuses would win the loyalty of the people. FDR knew it. LBJ knew it. And that's why they did it. And the churches were virtually silent. While the practice of pure religion, that was another word that we talked about, is is taking care of the needy of your society unspotted by the world. They didn't tell anybody that that's what that meant. Unspotted by the constitutional orders and system of governments that use force to compel the contributions of the people. That makes the churches that allowed that, they're not the church. They've already abandoned Christ. The churches that didn't speak out against that and tell the people that, no, that's not the way of Christ, they are not the church. They are saying they're church, but they're actually workers of iniquity. Now, they can repent, but they got to repent all the way. None of it's halfway repenting stuff. So he goes, what happens, this this is another woe moment, (laughs) what happens when a marriage reaches an irreconcilable difference? What happens when the government violates the standards of the church? Well, they did that back in 1913 and 1933, 1970. That didn't just start happening. That's been going on for a long time. Well, what does he mean? Why does he equate marriage? Well, we'll go on and read. The American church has been in an 
abusive relationship with the government since the 60s when SCOTUS handed down the ungodly Everson versus Board of Education decision in 1947, the first cracks in the long-standing marriage between Christ and the government was exposed. What? (laughs) The marriage between Christ and the government? Who's the bride of Christ? The church is the bride of Christ. And Christ is Christ. So, where's the government coming? When did this become a threesome? The government is the world. Remember, constitutional order or system of government. That's what the word means. That Again, there are other words there, and you may not know where they are, but... The world he's talking about a lot of times is the constitutional order and system of the government. Nowhere does he say that the church is supposed to marry the government. It's supposed to be separate from the government. Because it is God's government. And it has to be separate from the world's, from the constitutional order and system of government. And there's a way to do that. And we can explain that in greater detail. But let's get to the letter. He goes on the Everson opinion was the first time in American history that the idea of the separation between God and government had ever been litigated. It's created an uh, adulterous relationship between the two. It is not the first time it's ever been litigated, but uh, it was a... He's right, you know, and now I'm being critical of Dave, but I have a great deal of respect for Dave. Dave's had a lot of courage. He's made a lot of right choices. But he doesn't understand some of the things, at least in this article. And I hope, I'm only sharing this because I think he has a heart to maybe hear it if he will take it to the next step. And I'm, you know, he's not here. So I would love to have him on the show. and We'll talk about these things and, and debate it out. But this separation between God and government, God's church is God's government. You can have your other governments too. But you should be looking to your welfare to the church, not to men who exercise authority one over the other, because Christ forbid that. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, anyway, we're talking about this article of Dave Dubemeyer. And, uh, and I've, I've liked his articles before. I've talked about them before. I, I don't know if I've ever actually had him on the program. I think I've invited him on the program, but I don't even know if he got the, the invitation. But, uh, salt has lost its savor in the modern church. And so I'm going to throw out a lot of salt there and just going to have to take a drink of water if it gets too much for you because I'm, I, I am actually holding back. Because uh, I can't go into all the details of everything without running out of time. And I want to cover this all. So, the idea that the church is somehow married to the government is just completely like I wouldn't even use that metaphor. Because Christ specifically said we were not to be of the world. That we were to be separate. And this is what was going on at the time. And I understand the modern church has not been teaching some of these things. And I know they seem to be new to a lot of people. But 
this is, we can well document this. We can show you details right out. And uh, just just as an example, you know, he about two paragraphs down, he, he's quoting Amos, and, and we'll go to that quote in Amos. But in this paragraph, he starts off, marriage is a partnership. That's true. It's actually a contract between you and your spouse. Frank marriage doesn't have anybody else in it. Even when we used, when Samson went and asked to get married, he asked permission of his father. He didn't ask permission of the state because his father was his father and the state had not become his father, as is the case today. People go and ask permission of the state before they ask permission of their own father sometimes because they have made the state their father, which is part of that role of socialism. The state has become your sugar daddy. It, 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 it owns you, which we will show you when we quote from Amos. But anyway, he says, pet, part, marriage is a partnership. It's a two-way partnership between you and your spouse and hopefully God. Nobody else is involved in that. That isn't what you got going on today, but it's certainly between the church and the state. I mean, I can show you cases that were litigated long before 1947, where the church had a dispute or the world, the government had a dispute with the church and the government backed away because the church was autonomous. The modern churches out there, they're not autonomous. They're not separate from the world for some of the same reasons that Dave says. But they should be if they're following Christ because he said be separate. And we may be able to get to where he, he said that and how he carried on and on and on about that separation. And he goes on to say in his article, and it is difficult for any ra- relationship to succeed if there is no agreement between the two parties. Although marriage is a union in a Christian society, the husband has always been considered the head of the marriage. In any partnership, there has to be someone ultimately in charge when the tough, controversial decisions have to be made. That's why we don't, the church should not be marrying the government. (laughs) The, The church is the bride of Christ. John 3.29 He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. If the state has the bride, then the state is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore, is fulfilled. So, the bride is the church. The bridegroom is Christ. And we can go into that and I can show you all kinds of prophecies and everything. But if you think that the church is the bride of the state, no. Now, there is a question if we put the state in the place of the friend of the bridegroom, well, that's another matter. Is the state a friend of Christ? Because there have been states, you know, governments that have existed in the past that are a friend to Christ. And 
respect Christ and respect the precept upon precept we talked about at the very beginning of the show. But over the years, little by little, we've moved away, many of the states have moved away from those precepts. The more socialist you become, the farther away from the bridegroom of Christ you become. And the less of a friend to the bridegroom you become. Because you, you become those benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, which Christ says we're not to have any part of. Not to be doing. See, the church gave up. When it gave up its position of the daily ministration to the needy of society and turned that over to the state, the church became a horror. And betrayed Christ. The church was already married to Christ. It can't marry the state. <laughs> now, I understand that Dave's using these metaphors here, and I'm attacking the metaphor. I'm not attacking Dave. But I'm, I'm going to get to a point here. I think we're kind of creeping up on it. If you go read Jeremiah 25.10, moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth. And the voice of gladness, and the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, and the sound of the millstone, and the light of the candle. That's what's happened. In Jeremiah 25.10, it's happened today. The <laughs> voice of mirth is gone. And it went quick. It was actually going, for those who are very astute and aware, that they saw it coming for a long time. But it was amazing, this COVID jump that things have taken. But anyway, he goes on and he does quote the scriptures, ask the question, can two walk together lest they agree? So, how in the world did the church agree with the state when FDR decided to turn the United States into a socialist nation because FDR was a socialist. And, you know, long before the 501c3 things of LBJ, LBJ was already creating his war on poverty by creating a war on the middle class, by taking away from your neighbor and redistributing the wealth of the people in welfare schemes that have decimated the black community and his destroying the white community for quite some time. And the church sat idly by saying they loved Jesus while they sent their parishioners to men who exercised authority one over the other to obtain their daily ministration. The church was already a whore and no longer the bride of Christ. That That's not the bride. Whatever churches remain faithful... They may be the bride of Christ, but I'm not the one who decides that. God does. But I can certainly show you that the governments of the world and the churches of the world, because they're not just in the world, they're of the world, were in violation of the precept upon precept of Christ long before 1947 Everson case. Everson opinion declared that the legal marriage of the church and state was over. Uh, they didn't actually say that. That's that's Dave's opinion. That that opinion said that that was over. Well, okay, that's that's good. That that's not necessarily a bad thing. That that could be a good thing. First, we have to admit that that church 
where it talked about their legal marriage being over, that church is the whore who went whoring after the benefits of the state. That is not the church established by Christ. But we know that Jesus caught and, and cornered to judge the, the harlot was willing to forgive it. Forgive the harlot. Forgive her. And accept her back. But she had to sin no more. Go and sin no more. Can't do it anymore. I can forgive what you've done, but you got to go and sin no more. So you show me the church that is striving with the ministers of that church to be separate from the world. The ministers at least cannot be dependent upon the gifts, gratuities, and benefits of the world. They have to, those ministers have to be separate. That's why Jesus called out his apostles, called out men that were separate, called out those men and said, you know, be separate. Don't be, don't be of the world. And I pray that I keep you from that world. He, he goes on and, you know, I, a few other things like he talks about the church is like a loyal spouse. Well, the church is like a loyal spouse to the bridegroom, Christ. Uh, the churches that are wandering around today saying that they profess Christ and they eat and drink with Christ in the streets and they preach him in the streets, they aren't loyal. They've been harlots whoring after the state to to do their job by exercising authority one over the other, by forcing the contributions of the people. You know, and those of you who've listened to me regularly, I could go read you or recite probably the, the stories of Polybius uh, 150 years before the comments that he made that where the people became accustomed to feeding at the expense of their neighbor. And that's what's happened is the modern Christian, like Peter says, is... is become accustomed to taking a bite out of one another to obtain benefits from men who exercise authority through covetous practices that have cursed their children with trillions of dollars of debt and made them merchandise. If you go back and you read Amos, where he talks about that, you know, where he's he's talking about this uh, uh, walk with thing. Therefore, the flight that shall perish from the swift and the strong shall not strengthen his force, neither shall the mighty deliver himself, neither shall he stand that handleth the bow, and he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself, neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver himself, and he that is courageous amongst the mighty, shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. Sounds like bad times. But the the next chapter, he says, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now, this is Amos, Old Testament. 
Can two walk together except they be agreed? How can the modern church be walking with Christ if they think that it's okay to covet their neighbor's goods to the agency of governments that exercise authority one over the other, no matter how many benefits they offer them? Public education, health care. Who's taking care of your parents? Social Security? That's men who exercise authority and force the contributions of the people. According to Polybius, that's going to degenerate you into perfect savages. And that's what we're seeing on the streets. Or perfect cowards. The slothful shall be under tribute. He mentioned the land of Egypt. The land, Egypt means bondage. It has become, that's actually what it meant. If you look it up in in the uh, Old Testament, they say Egypt meant bondage. What was that bondage? 20% of what you produced in a given year, 20% of your labor belonged to the government. And you had to pay the government first and then the, the other 80% of the time your labor was yours. Well, it's worse with us today because we've returned to the bondage of Egypt. We've cursed our children with the debt of the Egyptian pharaohs of government. They're federal pharaohs now, but it's still that debt. They become, our children have become a surety for that debt because the churches long before 1947 had abandoned the teachings of Christ. You know, he goes on, can, can the bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall trumpets be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Now, you, you go read Proverbs. We all have one purse. We, we've lurked privately for blood. And we are caught in the net of our own wantonness. Christ warned us. Peter warned us. Paul warned us. That through our wantonness, through our covetousness, that we would be made merchandise. And that's what's happened. And so, and, and the church is much to blame for that. But for those who have a good heart, who, who those who actually want to follow Christ, who have the humility to realize that the church has long strayed from being the bride of Christ and has to rethink, repent. That's what repentance means. Think differently. And want to go back. We publish books free online. We show you how to, you can conform to Christ according to the laws today on the books. It's amazing. All these rules that regulate churches, they regulate their bride. They are the head of their bride because those churches have gone to the state for their identity. They're not doing things in the name of Christ. They're not, they're not teaching the people to live by faith, hope, and charity. They're teaching the people to live by force and fear and fealty. They have abandoned the ways of Christ. They did it a little at a time until, but now all of a sudden when the pain starts to come, when the agony, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. But I don't think the door is shut. I think there's hope. 
if people, but I, I don't know how much time you have to sit around and figure this out. But we need to turn around and go the other way. He goes on in his article to say, in reality, the church can never be separated from the government. What? According to Jesus, they were to be separate from the world. And the word world there, specifically, I can show you that we have whole articles up on it. Show you where the word came from, how it was used at the time, how it was used 700 years before and hundreds of years afterwards. It means constitutional order and system of government. That's what the concordance still says to this day. So, And Jesus said we were to be separate from the world. Practicing pure religion with a daily ministration of faith, hope, and charity. We don't have that token stuff in churches today. Individuals who make up the church, he says, individuals make up the government. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The church, what is the word church in the Greek? The called out. The apostles were called out. They were separate. People of the world, they were not necessarily separate. They had to give to Caesar what was Caesar's. They had to pay their taxes. But, did the apostles? They asked. They asked Jesus, or they asked the apostles. Actually, does your master pay the tax? Did Jesus say, "Yeah, yeah, I pay the tax. I'm a member." No, he didn't say that. He actually pulled Peter aside and said, "Who pays the tax? <laughs> Do the children? <laughs> who who's who here?" But. He said to Peter, because you said this, because keeping your word, something that everybody who's in violation of Article 2, Section 22, doesn't keep. <laughs> when they take office against that violation because they, they are bearing false witness and all these Oregon citizens are letting them do it because, oh, they don't want to upset their buddy. No, they should upset their buddy. That would be doing service to him and say, look, you need to bear true witness. To You took an oath to keep this constitution. You didn't do it. You, you forfeit your right to office. There is no governor of the state of Oregon. Kate Brown has forfeited the office. It doesn't say we'll forfeit the office after due process. She forfeited the office, period. She's a felon, period. That's what it says. She's a felon. Somebody just has to have the courage to say, you're not the shepherd of us. <laughs> but unfortunately, the other 75% of the guys in office have to step down as well. The Republicans could do it, but they're just as much in violation as the, uh, as the Democrats. But anyway, back to this, the reality, the church never can be separated from government. It absolutely has to be separate from the government. And the ordained ministers of the church need to be separate from government. They cannot be a part of that bondage of Egypt. Silver and gold have I none. And we can go through and show you how uh, somebody, that was another argument, uh, was on, uh, or discussion, I'll say discussion, that came up on another website, uh, you know, Facebook deal, where they were talking about, oh, yeah, it was a, a uh, unchurched group. We're talking about the early church had no property, no money, da, 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 da. nonsense. Absolute, utter nonsense. The church had all kinds of property. They held all things in common. 
But the church was the ecclesia that called out the ministers. They weren't starting a communist. This is how people say that the early church was socialist. No, it wasn't. The early church were a group of ministers ordained by Christ and ordained by the followers of Christ who owned all things in common. The congregation of the people is not the church. That's a separate thing. Some might have been slave. Some might have been Greek. Some might have been Jews. Many of, most all of them at first were Jews because those were the Jews that accepted Christ. People say, well, the Jewish government didn't accept Christ. Well, John the Baptist accepted, accepted Christ and he was the rightful high priest at that time. And we've explained how that is so. Jesus point, appoints his own 70, his own Sanhedrin. That's the legitimate Sanhedrin. The other was the counterfeit Sanhedrin. We recently been persecuted. It's okay. It's okay by us, but it may not be okay by Christ. By somebody who doesn't like what we say. And so they want to exclude us. That just goes with the territory. Christ told us to be ready for that. That's bad for them which you can find out how bad it is for them when you read Matthew 25 all the way to the end. <laughs> but, but but for us, God will provide. But people need to rethink what they've accepted as being the church because it isn't the church. Individuals make up the congregations because the congregations are free assemblies and they are there to help create through the elders which is the heads of families, not the heads of the church, through a a communion of taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and fealty, which is what most of these harlot churches have settled for. Now, that's a little daunting. Can we go there? Absolutely. With God's grace, we could go there. And we can show you how to do it. We show you for free. But it's not going to be for free because you're going to have, it's going to cost you your delusions. He goes on to say the church is not a building. Absolutely right. But then he says an organization nor a corporation. No, the church is a corporation. It's just not a state corporation. It's the body, corpus, that's the word, body of Christ. It was, and this is what the early cases long before Everson said, that the church goes back to Christ. Well, some of the cases go back to Christ. Some of them go back to Constantine. <laughs> and I don't really think that that counts. It has to go back to Christ. The church is the corporation of Christ. But it does not exercise authority one over the other like the other governments do. Because it's not top down, it's bottom up. And it's bottom up because it depends upon free will offerings, not so that it can build big buildings and, and take sabbaticals in Rome and, and all these kinds of things. They do it so that they can take care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Through free will offerings. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. And I tell you, that is coming in the name of Christ. You don't gather for the good feeling, the emotional feeling. You gather so that you will have the opportunity to lay down a portion of your life for your fellow man. For that widow down the road who is falling on hard times. And you may have to start weaning some people if they're ready 
to wean them off the the government dole and start taking care of one another. I think you can do that. I think you can do it better. We, we've, we've been starting that process and learning all kinds of things. And we got people with the energy of Dave in on this. We can make huge differences. And it would, just as depending for your livelihood on the property of others and becoming accustomed to doing so through men who exercise authority, has changed people into perfect savages, savages or apathetic, slothful, wantonness citizens to go back and actually follow the way of Christ will begin to change you as well. You cannot do this without the grace of God. You've gone too far down the wrong road. He goes on and points out that Webster defines divorce as to separate as married woman from the bed and board of her husband. That's what the church did back in the 20s and 30s as they separated from the bridegroom by turning to the one claiming to be the friend of the bridegroom, the state. And we need to turn back. We need to repent and go back to what we were supposed to be all along. And that's, that's where the church needs to go. We'll, we'll be right back and tell you how to do that. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, anyway, to finish this up and to get down to what some of the things that we need to do. And first thing we need to do is start seeing that we have been under a strong delusion that the church is supposed to be married to the state. And the reality is that the church, the called out, the ministers of God, are supposed to be married to Christ Their relationship is with Christ. Christ is the head of the church. As soon as you go and you start applying for benefits from the state for the church or even for the congregations, you're headed down a slippery road of abandonment of Christ. When the church stopped taking care of all the social welfare of the people, which was part of a process, then the church was abandoning its mission that Christ gave it. When the church started becoming a part, and I I know of ministers back in the, the 20s and 30s that were saying that the Social Security number when it was first coming out, and we cover this in great detail. We show you exactly what was going on behind the scenes, the agreement with certain churches uh, by Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, I've read the book of the guy who wrote the plan, and we we quote that in our other free books online to show you that this was a vast movement towards socialism and the bondage of Egypt that began, it didn't just begin with Social Security, but it was a huge leap when people started signing up. And we show the progression of this a little, a little, a little, and then more and more and more. The uh, the reality is Social Security has been bankrupt from the beginning. That's why they created it, because the government was already bankrupt, which is why you had the Depression. And you had that because you already went to a socialist-type money system with the Federal Reserve. But anyway, we'll get off track if we follow all those things. But we've done that, and those 500, 600 
recordings and hundreds and hundreds of articles and free books. We explain all this in detail. And if you join the network, we will sit down with you every week and explain it in even greater detail. And uh, if you decide you want to become a minister of Christ instead of a minister of the state, which is what most of these churches are today because they're married to the state, then we will show you what a minister of Christ is required by Christ to do. You be the judge. We'll show you the facts. We'll show you what he actually came out of his mouth. We'll show you what they're using common books, common concordances. We won't dig something out of some mystical place that you've never seen it. I I can show you some of those places too, but <laughs> that's why... You know, one of our first, one of my first books that I published, it started at 700 pages, but before I published it, I reduced it down to 144. Using very common sources, so you can check this out. 800 to 1,000 footnotes per book. So you can find out where we get this. Once you look at the facts, if you have criticism, we'd love to listen to your criticisms. But anyway, so the government of the church is he says is the most you know the government church separation is the most one-sided divorce in the history of the world well how in the world can the church get a divorce from the government if the church was originally married to Christ <laughs> you are a harlot <laughs> getting kicked out cuz they're done with you so that's not marriage. That's not marriage. So anyway, so there's my my take on that metaphor. He goes on to say, ministries are required to keep careful records of the financial transactions of the body of Christ. We require that. We don't require it with a gun. We require that the, the ministers of the different congregations that we oversee, we don't rule over. We oversee, overseer, that's a word right out of the Bible, bishop is. But now when if I say bishop and overseer, you're thinking what you see out there in the modern church. Their overseer is the government. It isn't Christ, because they don't belong to Christ. They belong to the government. Because they become surety for the debt of the government, and applied to the government, even though they knew the government would benefactors who exercise, they applied to them. How many ministers are collecting Social Security? I'm... I'm well past. I'm I'm the mandatory age for collecting Social Security. <laughs> I'm supposed to collect it no matter what, and I don't collect it, and uh, I don't want to collect it. I don't have any right to it. All the money I paid in for all those years and years and years, that was that was freely given. That's theirs. They could do what they want with it. It's it it never covered the debt of the United States. By any means whatsoever. Like I said, it was bankrupt. There is no division of funds. You go read our article on Social Security. We go through the law. We go through. We show you what they said. Not what the news said. What they actually is stated in the law. What was stated in the Supreme Court. We put it into the context of the Bible. So you could understand what was really going on. So he says, if there is a true separation between the church and the state. Which, how could there be if all the ministers are taking the benefits of the state and have signed up to take those benefits, even though they know those benefits come from men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, which Christ forbid us to do. 
Why is it any business of the government how the body of Christ operates? Because you're not separate from the state. That's why it's their business. Why He goes on and asks, why is the created entity, the government, holding any sway over the operation of the created of the church? Because you're not the church of the creator. You're the church of the state. You've sat down and ate with the the state. You didn't sit down and eat with Christ. Christ's table is set by free will offerings. The state's table is set by forced offerings. So you're eating at the table of forced offerings instead of the table of the free will offerings. You can't be the church. You can't be a, a someone applying for the benefits of men who exercise authority one over the other and be the church. The called out. Christ said you, it's not to be that. When he appointed the kingdom, he said it's not to be that way with you. If it is that way with you, you know you don't have a right to the kingdom anymore. Now, if you repent, that those things can change. You better do it before the door shuts. He goes on, why do we give to Caesar what belongs to God? Because you belong to Caesar. You're a surety for the debt. You've been made merchandise through your covetous practices, just as Peter said you would be made merchandise. You're, you're down to the wire in Revelation, where the traveling merchants of the earth own the souls and slaves, <laughs> as well as all the merchandise. And we can show you how that process works too, but not in this show this week. But we've already done that for those who listen regularly. I want to help people get this. He says the church created Caesar. Why does the church answer to Caesar? The church did not create Caesar. You did. <laughs> you gave it power. Because you you asked it to give you the power to bite one another. And now you've been devoured. You've become merchandise. And you've cursed your children with trillions of dollars in debt. Because you haven't been doing what Christ said originally to do. You haven't been his church. You've been their church. What is the church? What is it the church possesses that belongs to Caesar? Just about everything because it's not his church. His church, that's another matter. And I'm not going to get into all the the details of that here because it just isn't enough time. It says, what should the church render unto Caesar? The church doesn't have to render unto Caesar because the church of Christ isn't doing what the churches of the world have been doing. It's not doing that. I don't say that we're that church. I say we strive to be. Christ will make that determination. But... I'm certainly not the church of the world. That's not what we're training up ministers to be the church of the world. We're trying to train people up into being the church established by Christ. But Dave and a lot of other fairly good men have been duped under a strong delusion that they're the church. They think they're eating and drinking with Christ. And to some degree, on, on certain levels, they may be. I'm not condemning them. That's not my job. But there is need of repentance. There's a need of thinking differently. Nothing Caesar 
is simply an abusive ex-spouse. Not to the church established by Christ, because the church established by Christ never divorced Christ and went after other men. That's just the way it is. So anyway, if you go back to John fifteen nineteen, If you were of the world, constitutional order system of government, the world would love his own. Constitutional order system of government would love you. But because ye are not of the world, constitutional order system of government, but I have chosen you out of the world. So there's two things. They're not of the world and he chose them as those out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. That's what we've run into. But that's okay because we operate by love, not reacting to hate. They may have to pay for their hatred or their bias or whatever. We don't have to be a party to that. We don't have to be traumatized to it. We need to walk in the forgiveness of Christ. John seventeen fourteen. I have given them thy word. He's talking to God. And the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. Not a part of their system. This is why Christians were often persecuted by the people. They were jealous and envious. Because they weren't a part of these systems of forced contributions. They had their own system. But at first, private religion, which is the private taking care of the needy of your society, was legal. It still is legal today in the United States. And it may become unlegal eventually. It did in North Africa which is, we chronicle this through story after story, showing you the actual court cases of Christians being tried, why they were in our articles on the conflict of Christianity. You'll read those articles and you will see this is what the conflict was. Some people wanted to live by faith, hope, and charity. Other people wanted to live by force, fear, and fealty, forcing their contributions, taking away, supposedly just from the rich, but it ends up taking away from everybody. And when they didn't wear that mask, (laughs) that hat, they were hated and yelled at in the street and eventually burned at the stake. But that's, that's just goes with the territory of actually being a follower of Christ. But you have to at least turn around, repent, and start being that follower. He says, I pray unto you that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He doesn't want to take us out of the world. He, he, he wants us to be a witness to the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. But the churches Dave's talking about, they are of the world. They are married to the world, incorporated by the world. Just unincorporating isn't going to solve the problem. You have to conform to what Christ says. He goes on in verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify. Separate. That's what sanctify means. Separate out. As holy. Holy. Being separate. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth, separated through the truth. So I'm giving you the truth. The truth is you cannot covet your neighbor's goods. 
You cannot apply to men who exercise authority for benefits that come to you by way of taking away from your neighbor. That's socialism. That means no more public school. That means, you know, you've got to take care of your parents. That means you have to take care of one another. You have to take care of the widows and orphans in your midst. Neither pray I for thee alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. The church should be speaking the word of Christ, and all those who believe, the congregations of the people, they're saved too. Remember, Christ was preaching the kingdom of God on earth. All the churches is the non-exercising authority over the people that is the government of God. But the 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 church is elder-driven. Elder being, again, heads of family. They come together in free will assemblies. Offering to sacrifice for one. All the churches facilitate that, as we see Paul doing. People saying the church had no money. He took contributions all over the Roman Empire to help out people in Corinth and Ephesus and Syria and Galatia and Galatia gave money to help out Corinth and Galatia was poorer than Corinth so why did they have to send money? Well because of the fact that these people were getting out of the free bread of Rome the men who exercise authority and setting up a daily ministration operating by faith, hope and charity and the perfect law of liberty. You want to know why you're not at liberty? Because you're not doing that. You don't need rebellion. You need conformity to Christ. He goes on to say, I in them, and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. So death should not frighten us. Father, he goes on, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. So this idea of going back to Christ, the church is established by Christ. It is the corpus of Christ. It is the bride of Christ. The people who have gone after and married the state to get the benefits of the state that exercises authority one over the other to provide you with the social welfare and your daily administration have taken you out of the coverture of God and the coverture of the Lord and made you not separate, not sanctified. But all you have to do is repent and turn around and go back. you got to remember, you know, many shall say they're coming in my name, but no. You know, Matthew twenty five forty one. Then shall he say un, also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil, the adversary, and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also... Answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we see ye hungered and thirst and stranger and naked and sick 
or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did not to one of the least of these. Who? These. Ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We see the same thing in, in Luke thirteen twenty seven. These workers of iniquity, these people who covet their neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other, who take away from your neighbor in socialist states that become communist states. <laughs> that's, that's what you're doing. Yeah, and he warns you. He talks several times about how the door can be locked. You know, and you're standing on the outside, you know, the, the virgins standing on the outside. Or you might even get in the door and then, but you don't have the wedding garments on. What are the wedding garments? You, you're, you're not pure of heart, you know. And I think some of the people, you know, I don't want to pick on anybody. Although I just shattered delusions by a bit of people. I'm sure a lot of people that might hear this will get very angry. This is simple. Are you living by love? You know, the same word love translated charity. Are you living by charity or are you living by force? So you're wondering where the tyrant comes from? When you're already taking benefits by forcing your neighbor to contribute so that you can have free education so that you're... Your mother and your grandmother and your grandfather can be taken care of by Social Security from a bankrupt government that is only putting you farther and farther into debt. And then nobody has the courage to stand up. Those of you who are beginning to have courage to stand up, great. It's probably because you're not as far gone as you appear from a distance. Because that's where I am from a distance. And that's why I'm saying I have great respect for some of these people who are standing up and are willing to see. But you've got to see the whole truth and provide for it. Even, you know, Patrick Henry knew that. He wanted to know the whole truth. The whole truth is, is that we haven't been faithful Christians. We haven't been putting the church together as Christ said to put it together. And we can show you this in detail. He said specifically... Cannot be one of my disciples unless you do what? But people say, you know, when we tell them what he said, then they say, oh, well, that can't be because I, you know, because the money, the power, the prestige, the vanity. No. That you, you got, you either listening to Christ and doing what he said, or you don't love him. Because he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And his commandments was one of the first commandments to the people. and to, Well, actually to his ministers. He, he commanded his ministers make the people sit down into the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's how the church was organized for a thousand years. There was another church that didn't organize that way. They, they would have a bishop of over a, over a whole city. One bishop. In order for him to take the job, he had to resign his job with the Caesar. <laughs> but that wasn't the church established by Jesus Christ. That was the church established by Constantine. That's not the church established by Christ. 
Now, a lot of people saw the corruption that came from that church, and they went and protested against that church, and they rebelled against that church. And some of them actually began to conform to Christ. But rebelling is not the solution. Conforming to Christ. Repentance is the solution. It doesn't say rebel and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says repent. Coming in his name is conforming to his character, his way, the way. What would Jesus do? Unfortunately, a lot of people who ask that question can't answer that because they haven't been taught what Jesus did, what he was about, what he was saying. And we need to repent and start doing what Christ said to do and start becoming the faithful bride of Christ. And then you will see Christ's power moving amongst those who do follow him. And at this stage, you can't make it any other way. There is no other answer than Christ. It has to be the real Christ, not the watered-down Christ, the feel-good Christ, the emotional Christ. Christ was king and high priest. Showing us the way that we were to live on earth according to the will of the Father. But we've been living according to the will of the fathers of the earth. Who were the fathers of the earth? Who was the Patronus? The, the word in the, in the Greek and in the Latin, the same word, patri. Who was the patri of Rome? Who was the Patronus of Rome? It was Caesar. So who's your daddy? Who's your sugar daddy? Who's taking care of your widows and orphans and needy of your society? Who's providing you with all the benefits of the world? Men who exercise authority. That are your, that's your daddy. You're not to call any man on earth father. But my father who art in heaven. That's what Christ is talking about. And the way your Father in heaven works is he works upon the hearts and minds of the people who sit down in faith, hope, and charity and according to the perfect law of liberty and take care of one another in faith and in hope that you will be there to help take care of me. But you do not forsake the assembling together. You need to do this. And you need to do it according to the ways of Christ. And there's a lot more to it, but that's the basics. So anyway, God bless. Till we meet again, peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.